you know, when there's a dumb turnover, the Pelicans like step out of bounds right before they they shoot a three pointer. Serenity now. Serenity now. Yes, you're listening to Birdwatch, uh, New Orleans Pelicans podcast powered by NOLA.com. I am your host, Christian Clark, the Pelicans beat writer for NOLA.com. Here today with sports producer slash sports utility man, Jeff Nowak. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> Jeff, uh, I am wearing a red Santa suit today. I have stuffed a pillow inside of my shirt. It's actually true. I did. It's, it's really kind of creepy, actually. I have an enormous sack sitting next to me. And <laughs> Jeff... Hold it together, all right? Be, be an adult. Sorry, you're right. And that's because we're handing out Christmas presents to a couple different New Orleans Pelicans players today, the organization as a whole. I think it's going to be some fun. I just got back from Minneapolis, and I can report that it is cold as hell there in December. Yeah, I think uh, I think it was in the negative degrees. Is that right? I had to walk five blocks from my hotel to the arena before and after the game. That was awful walk after the game. Like they they give you a free beer uh, in in Minneapolis after the game, which shouts. I I needed that that one beer to like steal myself to walk right, those five because blocks. it's like twenty degrees warmer than the air outside. I literally don't understand how people live there. <laughs> yeah, like the fact that people choose to live there. Like I understand why people live there because that's where they live. But like, why would you choose that sort of lifestyle? I mean, I grew up in New England, so like I understand the cold. But it's not Minnesota cold. It's like when you get up there, you, you know, if there's anything that's not like already dry, if you let's say you take a shower and you go outside in that type of temperature, your hair is literally frozen by the time you get into a car. It's the, like the most ridiculous way to live. And I don't understand it. Well, right. yeah, I, I took a shower right before, you know, I headed to the arena and, you know, my hair, it's kind of long right now. It's, it's kind of sticking up. And I, you know, I guess I went outside too quickly. And by the time I got to the arena, it was like kind of frozen upwards into place. And like, I, I just looked ridiculous. I, maybe I should like start using hair gel or something. Yeah, um, that's an option. You should, you know, how old are you now? Like find some product that works for you and then you, you'll get it done. Yeah. You know, on one hand, you know, I'm 26 years old. It would be good to look professional. On the other hand, I don't use hair gel because uh, I'm not an asshole. Yeah. I think that's like a, that's like a verbal subtweet. Over in my direction. Uh, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I'm I am the kidding. gel king. No. Um, you know, you're not the gel king. You you do it like tastefully. The There's prince. a way to do it tastefully and you you do that with your right. hair gel. It's more because otherwise I have a bowl cut permanently. So in, in Minnesota. It kind of got off the res a little bit. But yeah, in Minnesota, <laughs> it, it got hot in the building. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, the, the Pelicans ended a 13-game losing streak. Uh, a losing streak that lasted 27 days. It lasted nearly a month. I mean, I haven't been doing this for this long, but that was by far the longest streak, I, longest losing streak I've covered. You know, what What you sensed most just just talking to Coach Gentry after the game and in the locker room was just sheer relief. Like, Alvin Gentry, as soon as the media talked to him, he just let, let out like a, oh my God. Right. Like, it was, it was just sheer relief that they finally had this monkey off of their back. You know, look, I, I thought the Pelicans played pretty well for the Pelicans. This, this was a very winnable game. Carl Anthony Towns, did not play. You know, Andrew Wiggins was their best player. And, you know, if you can't beat a team whose best player is Andrew Wiggins, then then you just stink. So, yeah, the Pelicans played some defense. They, they've actually, you know, had two of their better defensive games of the season against Minnesota and Brooklyn. They kept both of those opponents under 100 points in regulation, something they didn't do at all um, up to that point. Um, so, 
I thought it was a pretty good performance. I'm not going to like go out of my way and say like the Pelicans are turning this thing around or anything just because they beat, you know, a pretty mediocre Timberwolves team that didn't have their best player. But yeah, it, it was nice just not to have to talk about a losing streak anymore. Right. And they've the Brooklyn Nets game from the other night, they should have won that game first off. And it was an ugly, ugly game. But I think they need some ugly games. I think that, like, ugly games... That If the Pelicans can win ugly games at the end of a 13-game losing streak, I think that's really, like, positive about the team itself. Because you don't... You don't compete in games like that when you're not shooting well, when, you you know, when everything seems to be hitting the rim, hitting the back rim, coming out. If you're not, like, still engaged, right? Which it would be very easy. You see a lot of teams, like the Timberwolves, for instance are a very good example of a team whose locker room just completely fractured um, at the end of the Tom Thibodeau era with, you know, Jimmy Butler basically, you know, saying get at me with the playing the starters with the subs and beating them in practice. Like, that's the type of atmosphere that's that's not that's unhealthy, that's really easy to be born out of a 13-game losing streak. And if I'm impressed with one thing about this team, it's they handled this well. There was no sniping, at least not externally, which is really, you know, if there's stuff inside the locker room, there's always stuff inside the locker room when you handle it internally and, you know, whatever. But you, there was no reports of, like, J.J. Redick is pissed off at blah, 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 or he's just an example. But you didn't see any of that. And I think that's pretty telling about, like, the fact that there's still a good morale on this team, even though they're losing. And I think, you know, you can you can see a lot of criticism on Gentry during that streak, but I think he deserves credit for making sure that team kind of be, stayed a good, cohesive unit. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. Um, you know, when, when you lose that many games in a row, it's, it's very common to see, you know, backstabbing. It's very common to see sniping to the media off the record. We saw that with the Cleveland Cavaliers where they all were like, oh, John Beeline, he's such, this is college coach gimmicky stuff. There was none of that in New Orleans. You know, Drew Holiday and Brandon Ingram are, are two of the guys who kind of talk to the media after after every game almost, and they both were able to remain pretty positive throughout throughout that losing streak. They they said mostly the right things. Um, so yeah, this, this this locker room never fractured throughout, and you know, I I think that's a pretty good sign. I don't think it's a coincidence that we've seen the Pelicans play two of their better defensive games of the season now that Derek Favors is back in the lineup and healthy. Um, I've I've kind of said all year how important Favors is for this team. He's good at the the unglamorous parts of the game. You know, he's great, re, very good rebounder, very good pick and roll defender. You know, those are two things that Jackson Hayes probably his, his two biggest weaknesses right now. I'd say, you know, I love a lot of what Jackson Hayes has given the Pelicans this year, but yeah, there's a learning curve there. So I, I think having favors back has, has been pretty significant for this team. And I've really seen Alvin Gentry talk about and, and stress the importance of, of playing defense as the season has gone on in a way I didn't hear it earlier before. You know, it was really interesting after that Minnesota game. Um, Brandon Ingram had a killer game. He had, he had 34 points, 12 of 22 shooting, um, came out just, just red hot and was, was far and away the Pelicans' best player in that game. And, you know, I, I asked Alvin about Brandon and, and kind of his development this year after the game. And he says, you know, he's gotten to the point where he's like, yeah, man, we love what Brandon has given us in offense, but we need to see more from him on defense. And I think that's pretty interesting that even after Brandon's really good games, um, Alvin, you know, starts off by praising him, but he's always emphasizing that we need to see a little bit more from him on, on the defensive end. 
Well, I think that probably, you know, you look at Brandon Ingram and he's kind of the scoring punch on this team a lot of the time, but he's still, what, 22 years old? Yeah. He's a kid. When you're that young and still developing in your career, I think that's part of coaching, right? Like you can't just be like, oh, he's great. He's great. He's great. He needs criticism. You need healthy criticism at that point in your, in your game because he's not completely well-rounded. You know, even even guys like LeBron earlier in their career, there was LeBron never used to be able to shoot threes. He can shoot threes now, you know. He was a bad free throw shooter. He's improved that. He's you know, he's now averaging 10 assists a game. That's the type of thing that great players improve and they expand. And I think that's uh, probably what you're seeing from in just in terms of, like, why you would criticize a guy after a 34-point game and a win. But the thing I noticed in the last two games specifically, and I think it goes a lot into favors being back, Okafor seems to have fallen out of the lineup, or fallen out of the rotation basically completely. He played 13 minutes in Minnesota, second night of a back-to-back. Favors is still, you know, Favors is back, but he's clearly, you know, still working his way back into game shape, I think. And he's, oh, he's a big guy. I mean, he's lumbering up and down the floor. I think that takes a little longer. So I think that's probably why you saw the, the minutes there. God's none against the Nets. Is that something you think, assuming health, Jackson Hayes and favors is kind of the rotation there unless someone fouls out or yeah absolutely I mean I think Jackson Hayes showed enough over these these 25 26 27 games of the season he deserves rotation minutes on this team and you know that was not the plan going into the season that the Pelicans were very open and adamant that this was supposed to be a red shirt year for him but he's kind of butted his way into the rotation um I I wrote uh a fairly long feature today on, on NOLA.com about just Hayes' development. And when you just kind of, you know, trace that path dating back to high school, it's crazy that he's already at this point where at 19 years old, he's he's kind of carved out a spot for him as a rotation player in the NBA. I mean, this was a guy who was six foot one, 120 pounds as a high school freshman. He was on the freshman B team at his high school in Cincinnati. <laughs> uh, he was on JV as a sophomore. As a junior, he made the varsity team, but he was a backup. He wasn't even starting. And it was, look, it was a very good high school team. Like, this wasn't your run-of-the-mill high school team or whatever. I think the guy who's playing in front of him was a Division One player, but still. If you and, haven't if you haven't read it yet, uh, the headline, in three years, Jackson Hayes has gone from high school backup to NBA rotation piece. It's on NOAA.com right now. If you haven't seen it, you should check it out. It's a good story. And then I thought another interesting nugget his high school coach told me was that the college coaches he talked to as uh, Jackson was about to, to enter college, they are all telling him that he's going to be here for three, like three or four years. Uh, you know, maybe he'll be a starter as an upperclassman, but they were, they were, nobody was expecting him to be a one-and-done player. So really, you know, wherever Hayes has gone, he's kind of outperformed expectations, and this is an, another instance of, of him doing that. I want to blow too much smoke. <laughs> like, there, there is a lot of stuff that he needs to improve on. Um, I cited earlier in this podcast, you know, the rebounding, the pick and roll defense, like his, he just has a boy's body. I mean, I don't mean to be disrespectful (laughs) or anything, but like stand up close to him. He's got like 12 hairs on his chin. So it's just, it's going to take time for him to develop. He's still learning how to play the game. And all that said, you have to be, I think, really encouraged what you've seen so far. Yeah, I mean, it kind of reminds me of like a baby deer where he's still kind of getting used to help the, the length of his limbs and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, it, and he really embodied that against the Nets when he hit a three and then kind of just looked lost the rest of the time he caught it because everyone kept yelling at him to shoot. That was hilarious, by the way. Yeah, he made that one, like, end of buzzer, desperation <laughs> Look, three. I was, was sitting court, not courtside, but, you know, on the sideline for that game. You know, sometimes when you sit in the press box, you don't get the same angle, especially at NBA games. It's just so nice to be able to just get down the sideline. 
I was sitting right behind him, and I, he probably heard me. I literally, it was like, Jackson Hayes? Like, I was just like, <laughs> it was just involuntary. I was like, it was incredulous. Like, what are you doing, Jackson? Uh, and then it went in, and I imagine Gentry was over there yelling the same thing, and he probably, after it was like, good shot, never do it again. Uh, because every time the rest of the game, he, he had a really great, he had a, that was probably his best game just in terms of, being in the right spot and, and not making rookie errors throughout the game. Like, he, he put himself in spots where, you know, he was going up against DeAndre Jordan and he got out-rebounded. And he, he had a bunch of fouls that were kind of like, all you got to do is keep your arms up, man. You're seven feet tall. You don't have to reach down. But otherwise, he looked good. He looked like he was he's learning. Uh, except for every time he got the ball in the perimeter and all the fans that were there. And there weren't a ton, but they were loud in this instance. We're just yelling, shoot it, shoot it, Jackson, you can do it. It's okay, don't listen to Alvin. And and he, you could tell he heard him, but there was like a thought bubble coming up over his head. We're just like, I'm not allowed to, I'm not allowed to, stop it. It was like the devil, like all the fans were the devil on his shoulder. And he just stood there like looking around, looking around. You're exactly right. You could just see the gears turning right. in his head. The mental calculus of what happens if I do shoot this right now. Anyway. I wonder if we're ever going to get to the point where Jackson Hayes is a jump shooter. Like I, I'm, you know, I feel strongly projecting a lot of things about his development. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I don't really have a sense of like, is he going to be a guy who develops like a 15 foot jumper in his career? I think basically any any new age center, any center coming into the league, like post 2015, probably if you want to go like just put a year on it, you're going to make threes eventually. It's like inevitable. Like DeAndre Ayton's going to shoot threes. Zion, Zion already shoots threes. He's not a center. But like Aaron Baines shoots threes now. Everyone takes threes. Everyone takes threes. He's going to make take threes eventually. And his and his shooting stroke isn't one that you cringe when you see it. Even when he's at, he's at the free throw line, he's not shooting great early in his career. But you you don't look at him like early years DeAndre Jordan, who actually made a couple of big free throws in that game. Like where it's just like you every time he's, he releases it, you're just like, there's no way that's going in. Right. Like he's missing, he's missing short, he's missing long, but there's good touch. It's it's bouncing on the rim. It's not clanking off the rim. There's soft shots, and so I think that you he could extend that out. But basically, you're not going to get the Kevin Garnett 15 foot to 18 foot range shot in the NBA anymore. Either he's going to shoot threes or he's not going to shoot threes. And I think that he will eventually. Yeah, yeah. Baines, for me, is the guy who, yeah. if you told me five years ago, like, yeah, he would be a competent three-point shooter, I would have been like, you are, are taking some insane drugs. <laughs> um, you know, I, I agree with you that Hayes, like, does have pretty soft touch, and, like, I, I could kind of see it one day. You know, mechanically, what he's doing right now, he, he's one of those guys who shoots from, he's a right-handed shooter who shoots from, like, the left side of his body. He doesn't do the beef thing that they teach you, and, like, you know. The what? Beef. Bend your elbow. Never heard that. Okay. Just basically keep your elbow straight and like gooseneck it when you release. Well, yeah, I, I know like I know that part. Okay. But I've never heard beef. Okay. Never heard Bend that your acronym. knees, um, eyes on the rim, elbow straight, follow through. Beef. <laughs> that must have been the day after PEMDAS. That's the one I remember <laughs> from, from uh, my school days. So I must have been sick that day for gym when but, they taught the beef course. Worry about your beef. That Sean Payton would say. <laughs> anyway, but no, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think that he he has a lot of encouraging things about him. I think that you know you need to be careful not to. He's going to struggle in a lot of games. He's going to have stretches where you're just like, "What the hell are you doing, Jackson?" And but you know when you're now in a situation where he's getting legitimate rotation minutes, 
you know, he's for better or worse, you're going, you're, you're going to see what he has. Um, but I do, I do think it's important that you, you, you kind of couch it with like, be prepared for some ugly moments, be prepared for a lot of like just fouls that are born out of just not really understanding the positioning that he needs to be in, not really being strong enough to stand up against DeAndre Jordan. Um, and the, and when he, if you're having on if you have him on the court in big moments, there's going to be situations where you have kind of ugly big moments. So just you know, I think that it's important to, to at least be prepared for what you're what you're giving yourself in a season where you probably aren't going to make the playoffs anyway, but you at least have some developmental time. Yeah, I think you know if I'm talking about specifics, the next thing I would like to see him, I don't know, maybe not master, but but just improving a little bit. He's averaging 3.2 fouls in in. 21 minutes per game right now. Like, I just want to see yep. Jackson be a little more vertical all the time. Like, there's there's so many instances of a guy gets inside of him, and he sticks his hands up, but, like, he does it kind of diagonally, and the guy jumps into his arms, and they call foul. Right. And Jackson raises palms to the air. He's like, what? I didn't foul. Exactly. It's like, just just go, go straight up. And I know it's, like, it's easier said than done, and some of that has to do with, like, core strength, and he, j- he just doesn't really have a core right now. But, like, just stick your hands up straight in the air and make them make the shot. Yeah, and I think part of it is he's just seeking the ball. He's just trying to make a play. And it's a very young, you know, um, want-to-be-everywhere type mentality. And that's, you know, that's the type of play that you look at and you're just like, when you're a bad defensive team, that makes it worse. But you've made your own bet by having to give legitimate minutes to a rookie who's still learning how to play defense. So I think that's interesting to watch. But, hey, as long as he's throwing down those... Uh, put back dunks like he had in that game, you can live with some of the uh, some of the learning pain or the growing pains. You know, as I said all year, just in, enjoy the highlight plays, enjoy the fun stuff, and, and give them time. This is going to take a couple years. Back here on Birdwatch, uh, Pelicans podcast powered by NOLA.com. We are on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. Mash the subscribe button. Mash. Jeff, you just watched me shimmy down the chimney uh, with my sack. Don't laugh. Be be a professional. I'm thinking, I just can't, I can't help think of Tim Allen and the Santa Claus. Oh. This this is my, like, it just like floated through the air. Off the, I just watched that movie the other day. It's a great bet. Fun fact, I never, I didn't notice that there was an E on the end, and that was like a play on Claus until like two years ago. Oh my God. I'm, a, I'm, I'm not very observant. <laughs> it, uh, and then I was like, that's a great title. <laughs> uh, anyway, I, I, I probably shouldn't admit how uh, not observant I am, but anyway, continue, Santa. Santa, Santa Christian. Well, no, I'm, Christian I'm, I'm in my comfy chair now. Um, you know, I'm in my suit, and my lap is warm. There's a there's a fire going feet away from me, and you know now I'm inviting a couple Pelicans players to, to sit on my lap. Um, this, man, this, I'm not this has just gone to weird territory. I love continue. Don't don't let me don't let me get in the way. Okay, so they they lined up, and the first player to, to come on down is Lonzo Ball. You know what I, what I'm gifting him this year is an instructional video from Tom Amberry. Now. I don't know, many of you probably don't know who that is. Uh, he's the podiatrist who set the Guinness Book of World Records for most consecutive free throws made. He made 2,750 of them. You know, look, Lonzo Ball needs some help in, in the free throw department. It's it's probably been, you know, the biggest issue throughout his career. 
Uh, he's only taken 25 free throws in 590 minutes this year. Uh, his career numbers are, are, are pretty crazy. I mean, he's played 3,700 minutes. He's only taken 144 free throws in that time. And when I look at Lonzo Ball's game, I, I think the biggest issue is that he just won't. He's a point guard who won't drive the basketball and and, and try to finish inside. Right. Um, it seems and, like he's he's not he's a he's trying to avoid going to the free throw line, or at least like in 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 some respect, he's like playing away from the free throw line. Like even if it's not a conscious thing, part of his a lot of his game has been built on going to the free throw line isn't my strength, so I'm gonna you know I'm gonna create situations where that's not going to happen or at least i mean does that is that how you see it because that's how that's how it appears to me yeah i think that's a significant part of it that he is clearly a guy who is, is kind of afraid to get to the free throw line because he, he knows he's not terribly efficient once he does get there i mean look you lonzo ball there's been a lot written about his improved outside shot this year he's clearly put in a lot of work on it shouts to him um it is a little bit better but he's never going to be a guy who who opponents fear with the outside shot like he can do it competently right now but like guys aren't going to hug up next to him on the perimeter or anything like that he's not ever going to be a guy with great gravity which I think makes it like imperative for him to like drive it in there sometimes and and try to finish and and be somewhat effective so you you can you know unlock your passing which is the best part of your game um you know we were talking about before this podcast like he drives in there sometimes, and the defense knows that he's not even going to try to lay up, so they they kind of sit on the pass, and right. that just makes it so much harder for him. So much of being a point guard is deception, uh, and he's not fooling anybody. That's one of my favorite basketball stories ever, by the way. That this old man podiatrist is like the greatest <laughs> free throw shooter of all time. That that seriously made my heart warm. Um, <laughs> shout out to Tom Amberry. Okay, Lonzo. Well, how, I, I will oh, say. Ahead. I will say before we get off this. The Pelicans have a really bizarre free throw split as a team, though. So maybe, maybe not just Lonzo. Maybe we can find a Groupon, and we can include uh, Drew Holiday, who is shooting a career low sixty-seven point nine percent from the free throw line. That's worst among all qualifying shooting guards, if you want to call him a shooting guard. Only Ben Simmons is worse on free throw attempts of, of among players with one hundred twenty-five attempts in the NBA. That's not, not good. what you want from it's a star lead guard. So Kendrick Williams somehow is shooting 37% for the free throw line. It almost defies explanation. He hasn't shot that many. He shot less than 20, less than 30, but still that's, it's not, it's not great, Chief. Uh, and then there's one other, and Nikhil Alexander-Walker is averaging 68%. Uh, yeah, obviously Lonzo as well. So you have four point guards or shooting guards. Who are all shooting below seventy percent from the free throw line? That seems problematic. So what you're saying is that we need to burn multiple copies of this instructional DVD. Yeah, I think that's it. You know, or maybe I guess we're burning copies of a DVD in 2019, almost 2020 now too, which right. is a little outdated. But you know what? Whatever. Do you have it on VHS? Maybe that will help. <laughs> Actually, uh, yeah, this is a, a streaming file. I don't. Know. All right. Anyway, lots right. of ball. Hop off my lap. Uh, Jackson Hayes. Hop on. Um, this one, we you know we just spent a lot of time talking about you know things that needs Jackson Hayes needs to add to his game uh, for Christmas. I am getting him the 15 pounds that Zion Williamson needs to lose. <laughs> oh, brutal, but fair. <laughs> yeah. um, look, it's is that how it works? Can you just like transfer it? Is it is it like Venmo? Dude, I literally go to 
every house across the world in one night. Fair. You know, Zion Williamson, uh, a little bit puffy right now. He's he's on the court shooting jump shots. I would I would call that very light work. There's no lift at all when he's shooting. I would I would call it very light work. I think we're still weeks away from his return. Yeah. I don't uh, think you see him until until you know the 2019 at the early. I mean 2020 at the earliest. Like there's no it doesn't no, even end a point in looking at the next few games. Like until you hear that he's in drills and live drills, it's not even it's not even close. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Zion's listed at 285. Jackson Hayes is listed at 215. Has there ever been an instance in NBA history where a power forward was 70 pounds heavier than a center on the same team of the same age? Like yeah. it's not even like one's a rookie and one's a you know <laughs> one's a veteran. They're literally both what nineteen or is Zion twenty now? I don't, uh, both nineteen, yeah. Yeah, I mean it. That's a pretty big disparity considering the one that's seventy pounds lighter is six inches taller. <laughs> yeah, those two guys are are really good friends too, and and just seeing them together yucking it up is a good snapshot and a, a good reminder that people just develop at their own pace. Like Zion Williamson has been a grown ass man for a while, and yeah. and Jackson Hayes is very much a late bloomer. Uh, I'm late bloomer, you know, myself. I was still I still grew when I was like 24, 25, so I guess I can sympathize with him in, in some ways, but yeah, man. I mean, Jackson Hayes uh could use that weight. Uh we need to get him on the 5000, you know, Michael, <laughs> Whatever Michael Phelps diet, diet is. Yeah. Yeah, if they could just switch diet diet plans, I think they would probably figure that out, whatever that is. But I mean, just in the sense that you have two 19-year-olds that are both like exciting to think about as for a future of this team i think they'll get the i'll get the, i think they'll get the weight disparity a little closer <laughs> i think it, as their careers go on <laughs> that 70 pound gap will probably you know come together i'm very much looking forward to a front court of, of jackson hayes and zion williamson i mean they've got a very strong chance to just be the most athletic front court in the nba you know that's a lot of blocks a lot of steals a ton of dunks between those two guys. I mean, that's that's a recipe for fun, um, as long as you kind of fill in the gaps with a lot of shooting, especially right. if Brandon Ingram is your three. I mean, does it? It kind of reminds me of you know when Blake Griffin was was a young player with the Clippers, and they had DeAndre Jordan. Oh, okay. You know, they, well, I mean, like there's yeah. obviously like DeAndre Jordan's a very different player from he came in a league built like a truck, and Blake Griffin also had injury issues as a, as a young guy. But they're, they're, I think that's probably the best corollary you can have at this point in Zion's career. That's the type of exciting, like, Lob City kind of situation that you hope for. Can it happen? I don't know. All right, moving on. Uh, J.J. Redick, are you, are you a Seinfeld watcher, Jeff? I, you know, I, I dabble. I know, I know the reference you're going into. Okay. Um, so, if any of you guys are familiar, uh, George Costanza and his father have a coping mechanism for, for stressful or frustrating situations. Uh, they simply shout into the air, Serenity now! Serenity now! Serenity now! You know, anytime something bad happens, anytime something doesn't go your way, it's easy to make yourself feel better. Just yell, Serenity now! Uh, you know, watching JJ out on the court with a lot of these young guys who are, who are still really learning how to, to figure, just like learn the basics of the game, I feel like, you know, inter- like internally he's screaming, Serenity now. I, yeah. I think he should just kind of let it out. I mean, you know, when Jalo Okafor gets stuck in cement and, and pick and roll coverage and they give up another layup, J.J. Redick should just yell, Serenity now. Uh, you know, when there's a dumb turnover, the Pelicans, like, step out of bounds right before they, they shoot a three-pointer, Serenity now. Uh, you know, J.J. Redick 
I think this has been an incredibly frustrating year. I mean, he's he's never missed the playoffs in the first 13 years of his career. Unless there's a trade, uh, it looks like that streak's going to come to an end this year. Now, I'm not, comp- you know, I, I wouldn't call myself the biggest Seinfeld buff of all time, but didn't the guy who came up with Serenity now, like, murder his family and stuff him in the freezer? Uh, he, yeah, he did have his family <laughs> in the freezer. I heard they found a family in your freezer. <laughs> Serenity now, insanity later. We should probably disclose that we are not, you know, condoning. We don't condone any, any illegal activities. Right. right. So you've now, you have, uh, to recap, Christian, on this podcast, in five, in a grand total of five episodes, we're only on episode five, has proclaimed that you should sacrifice a goat and chance Serenity now. You're scaring me a little bit. Are you okay? I'm okay. Okay. Uh, Serenity now keeps me grounded. Right. Yeah. I uh, my personal, you know, if, if I was if I was making a suggestion, I would go with one of the uh, one of what I think is a very underrated movie uh, called Anger Management. Uh, it's Adam Sandler and Jack Nicholson. They say Goose Fraba. Now repeat after me. Goose Fraba. Goose blah blah. I actually haven't seen that one. You haven't seen that? Yeah, no. you should check it out. It's pretty funny. That basically, whenever anyone's like angry and freaking out, which is like the I can't remember his name, the the one of the guys who's in all the Adam Sandler movies, uh, he's freaking out about the Sixers. I think he's he's wearing an Allen Iverson jersey, an Allen Iverson headband, like Allen Iverson wristbands, uh, and I think he missed a, missed the layup to win the game. He's like, you gotta dunk that shit. Uh, it's it's very funny. You should check it out. But yeah, anytime JJ is mad, he can yell goose fraba. Did you and, see uh, the uh, Did you see the clip of Adam Sandler throwing that absolute dime in a pickup game going around on social media yesterday? I did not. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, Adam Sandler balls. Oh, he's a huge hooper, a huge basketball fan. That's like kind of a, an ongoing like theme with his movies. Like, there's always some random pickup basketball scenes in his movies. But yeah, they they pass the ball to. I mean, Adam he uh, he did beat Michael Irvin in the Longest Yard remake. Oh, great scene. But yeah, they, they pass the ball to Adam Sandler at the top of the key, and he whips like a Steve Nash dime like to this guy standing right under the basket, and everybody in the gym goes, oh! <laughs> I am so hyped to see Uncut Gems, by the way. That might be, uh, well, I'm going to be, I guess, covering a, a basketball game <laughs> in Denver. I just found, okay, so I, I think my my response was Adam Sandler balls. Adam Sandler, oh. is that what I said? Uh, and so the I just I googled Adam Sandler assist and the lead the first sentence of this is quote Adam Sandler can ball <laughs> so I'm not the only one yeah Adam I mean, Sandler has a game I actually haven't seen this so I'm gonna watch this right now uh, so I can have some context I'll I'll react in real time oh come on that was just a that was a one handed pass from the three point line he Let's he not... like threw it as immediately as soon as he caught it I mean it was good it was a good pass yeah. It was. I. Just, I mean. I think I characterized it as Steve a done. Nash. Done. You said Steve Nash esque. Okay. It was. A, it was a great pass. It was a very nice pass. It was good. To, <laughs> nice to see Adam Sandler staying active. <laughs> but, I like that Adam Sandler dresses like he's like the and one man too. I mean, he has a, a very baggy shirt on. Right. Like he dresses like he's on like the and one mixtape tour in like two thousand and two or something like that. It's, it is. It is nice to see a selfless player out there though. Yeah. He did. It was. It was good. He he knew where he was going with it. He gets the ball and he slings it in. It's good. It's yes, nice. it's nice. The big guys down low who are playing above their height, like I always am asked to do when I play basketball, they appreciate that. We work hard down there. We like to get fed every once in a while. Uh, that's why I stand out in the perimeter and just shoot threes all game. Yeah. 
There was one I once played in a pickup league with Win Butler against Win Butler. If you know who Win Butler is, uh-huh. Arcade, Fire. Arcade Fire plays a lot of a. He's been in the uh, Celebrity All Star games. I think he's won the MVP once, uh, and I didn't realize who it was until about until the second half. But he was just like just roasting me the entire time because he's like six inches tall. I mean, I'm I'm six feet tall. He's at least six six five six six. He's huge. Yeah, and and he's he's big. He's not. He wouldn't call it say he's built, but like you're not moving him around at my height. Uh, and I always end up on teams where I play the center because no one has any tall guys, or at least not the people I play with. And uh, I remember at one point I was like, I was I was trying to like get post position. I was you know rooting him out, and I like put my hand up calm for the ball. I was like, what would you even do if you got it? And I was like, damn it. He you're, said that you're right, Win. Yeah, it was like the it was, and like I had oh nothing. I had nothing for him because he had been just totally just roasting me the entire game, hitting threes, you know, backing me down. And I basically, I just wilted. I was just like, you're right. My bad. <laughs> wow. Wynn Butler. Uh, yeah. A little trash talk. Yeah. He, I, I was toast after that game. I, I, I got him a few times, but I think he scored like 20. I couldn't stop him. He yeah. was, he was, he was a, he's a machine. He's at Pelicans game sometimes and you, you just can't miss him because he's so yeah, freaking well, big. Pa- and, he's that, and he's wearing that damn hat. Everyone, <laughs> anyone behind him. He had a, that we had, there's a good AP photo of him uh, standing with a, we still love you, AD sign, which I, I thought that was funny. But wow, yeah, Win Butler, he's uh, he will roast you and pick up in wreck uh, basketball leagues. We can we can end that gift on that, Santa, if you want to move on. Okay, so surrounding now for JJ, maybe something more practical, Who's stress Traba? ball. Uh, next up is Brandon Ingram. You came up with the gift for Brandon Ingram, so I'm gonna let you dust this one off and let him unwrap it. What'd you get him? Uh, I mean, I haven't got him anything yet. But I'm I'm kind of like crowdsourcing. I'm thinking of like maybe a puppy, or like a fluffy kitten, because I just like I I just want Brandon Ingram to have a good day. I just feel like like he he plays so well, and I just he just always seems upset about something. Like I just want him to be happy. Whatever makes Brandon happy, I'll get him. Just tell me what it is. I think Brandon Ingram is one of those guys who actually is having a good day. It's just very very hard to tell. Yeah. Like just a constant stone face. Actually, the first article I wrote for NOLA.com, I compared his general demeanor and that face to uh, the statues you see on Easter Island. You know what I'm talking <laughs> yeah, about? Yeah, just the heads. The, yeah. yeah. That's what Brandon Ingram's like resting face reminds me of, like the home that Squidward lives in in SpongeBob. Oh my God, you are correct. I always like to think that there's a whole body underneath those, if, if you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> yeah. that, like that's just the top. But um, yeah, I mean, like... Like there's like resting bitch face if you've ever heard of that RBF if we don't want to cuss on the on the podcast I'm not cutting it out I don't care but yeah if, there's there's RBF and but then like Brandon just he just he just seems just so so glum I don't know I think that's just how he is his social media is like like his on Instagram it's like a completely different experience where it, you know he's like using exclamation points and like you know get like emojis and stuff. Like I don't think that I've ever seen the like facial equivalent of an exclamation point from Brandon Ingram at any point. Here, I mean, I think Alvin Gentry's basically said that too, which is like, you know, I think he would like him to be a little more vocal, a little more like fiery. I mean, because he's putting out these great games, you'd, th- you'd like to see him get kind of fired up, and, and he does at times, but even then, it's still like kind of reserved. And, he, and he's still young. Maybe maybe he'll maybe he'll grow into that. But uh, either way, Brandon, I just want I just want you to have a good day. Yeah, one that's of my gift to you. Tell me what you need for. To, to have. <laughs> I just want to see those pearly whites. You got such a great smile. One of the funnier uh, media moments this year was 
Brandon Ingram had just got done doing his, uh, his availability after practice, and Alvin Gentry comes up immediately after he leaves and, and like, starts talking like Brandon Ingram. He's like, <laughs> well, you know, like, we just had to get the ball in the corner, and we had just had to make the shot, and yada, 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 yada. And it was like this whisper. Uh, it, it was very funny. Alvin Gentry's a funny dude, man. He is. He's, he, you know, like, he has a lot of character, and I think that's part of the reason that, like, a lot of fans like to give him some crap about, you know, what's best when things are going bad. But he's a fun guy to, to, to listen to and to just, you know, just to hear him talk in general. Like, he always says good. He called the team a dumpster fire last year. I thought that, that was, like, one of my all-time favorite quotes. The coach of an NBA team referred to his own team as a dumpster fire, and I, I'm still laughing about it today. It was about the it was basically just like he was talking about the Anthony Davis situation and how everything kind of like devolved around that. So he wasn't saying like the players were a dumpster fire, but he's saying like the situation itself. But I still thought it was great. He's and just he, he's just got great NBA stories for like days on days on days. Right. Like I I hope I mean he's he's probably got so much money that like he won't need to do media whenever he's done coaching, but like. He would be great at media if, if he wanted to, and just let some of those stories go. He has got so many good stories. I could see him. I could see him being, you know, one of the NBA, like around the NBA type guys. You know. Okay. That's uh, it, Brandon Ingram. I want to. I want him to be have a good day. Moving on. This is a good one. I, th- I thought this was funny. I literally went to type this onto our list, and I, I looked up, and it was already there. So, each one more. Uh, I got him a key to get out of the jail. That he's been kept in. Uh, Etwan did play a little bit in that Minnesota game. It was good to see him get in. Um, I think Etwan is like a serviceable player, and like for a team this bad, I think he should be getting rotation minutes. Like he's a competent basketball player, which is a lot more than than you could say for a lot of players on this team right now. I don't know. I mean, give him rotation minutes. Give him some minutes off the bench. Why not? Right. I mean, it, I I was gonna. So I was literally, I'm, I'm not kidding. I was actually typing this in and then I realized it was already there. I was going to say, someone get him like a homing beacon or like 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 the type of chip like you might like, so you can find, like if your pet runs away, you can go and find him. Because like, I literally don't know where he is half the time. A lot of times I go after the game, like, was he hurt? Like, nope. He's just a DMPCD. And uh, that's did not play a coach's decision if that's not something that people <laughs> use the acronym for. I don't know why I said it that way. But I mean, yeah, he's played... He hasn't played more than okay. He had forty minutes against the Heat in a loss earlier this season. He had thirty minutes against the Clippers the game before that, and that was during the stretch where everyone was hurt. That was like mid-November. Yeah, I mean yeah. that they actually won that game against the Clippers, which and it was crazy because like there was no Ball, there was no Ingram, there was no Redick, there was no Favors. Uh, but yeah, so like that was those were the only two games that he played significant minutes. Other than that, he's played more than twenty minutes five times. Yeah, I mean, look, Etwan can shoot. Uh, he's he's a pretty good decision maker. I mean, he's not really like he's a, their best three point shooter by statistically, if you want to look at it that way. Yeah, forty um, percent. Pretty good decision maker. I I enjoy watching him play basketball. Like he's a, a pretty smart basketball player. Um, great locker room guy, by the way. Like very well liked teammate. Um, there's a reason you know he's been able to carve out a, a long career in the NBA. A pretty low maintenance guy. So more Etwan, more. All right, uh, why not? You know what? It, it's all in the name. Yeah, I mean, he was a 55th pick in the 2011 draft. He's had a he's had a good career for a guy who you know when you start get to looking at the guys, other than maybe Isaiah Thomas, the new Isaiah Thomas, the point guard for the 
where is he? Wizards. Wizards. He's on the Wizards now. You know, you don't see a lot of guys drafted in that range that stick around the NBA for eight, nine years, especially, you know, and, and this is the first year of the last few. Like, he had he had a good run with, he, stuck, he drafted by Boston, he had a good run with the Bulls, he had a good run with the Pelicans until, you know, until this year where he's kind of just fallen out. And then the Anthony Davis teams, he was always kind of a, if not a starter, a sixth man. Um, and he would put up, you know, he's, he's a good shooter, he's got good size. He also got incredible uncle energy too. He really does. He really does. He's got a cool name. Yeah. And he beat a lot of Etwans. That's a that's a neat name. I appreciate guys with uncle games. Like I covered Paul Millsap in Denver. Yes, Paul Millsap. Like Paul Millsap is definitely like that that one uncle who's like fifty three years old, but is still the best player at, at the family barbecue. Like he's just got like this weird mid range and, and post game and he's stronger than everybody. Yeah, I always I always root for guys with uncle games. Yeah. It's fun to watch. Paul Millsap is like the cool uncle, though. Oh yeah. I feel like I feel like Paul Millsap would be a fun guy to get a beer with. Yeah, I mean, I bet Paul Millsap. He's he's got a large family. They live in the Atlanta area. I bet when they have get-togethers during the summer, like some younger cousin or something is like, you know, talking a little bit of crap to him. He's like, Uncle Paul, like I could take you at one on one. And Paul Millsap, you know, leaves his his station uh, by the grill, walks over in his flip flops. And like post him up three straight three straight times and walked off and it's like you could never take me right. But anyway, just back to each one more for perspective here. He started eighty games. He played in all eighty two and he started eighty games in the 2017-18 season, the playoff season. He averaged twelve point five points a game. Shot forty two percent from three point line, thirty percent from the field. He's, he's a fine player. I think there are like rotation minutes somewhere for him in the NBA. I, I think that you keep him around because. Who knows what this team, where this team is going to be in six weeks, in eight weeks? They might need him, so maybe a maybe a tracking chip would help in that respect. Okay, uh, moving on to Drew Holiday. What do you get the man who has everything? Or I'm just <laughs> assuming Drew has everything because uh, makes quite a bit of money. Um, we might disagree on this. I want to get him a replacement level point guard, and I have I have a take on this Pelicans team. So what you've seen with the Phoenix Suns this year is like. Ricky Rubio, a replacement-level table-setter point guard in the NBA, has helped them just look a lot more competent, and they've fallen off a little bit. I think if, like, this Pelicans team just had, like, their version of a Ricky Rubio, things would look so much better. Like, if you just slide Drew over to shooting shooting guard, um, you know, you keep Lonzo on the bench, and you just... You just have a guy in there who understands how to get the team into the offense, get the guy, get the get the ball to guys in their spots. That everything would look so much better. I just don't think you know Drew has so much on his plate. Like he's often guarding the other team's best perimeter player. He's got to ask. He's asked to create for this team off the dribble. Um, you know him and Brandon Ingram are, are by far the the two guys who shoulder most of that load. That it's just hard for him to be that table setter too. I mean, he doesn't have a, a great handle. He's not a great passer. I think he would look so much better if, if he just had like that Ricky Rubio type or whoever next to him. Right. I, you know, I would have loved, you know, I would have loved to see them be in on Chris Paul, but the dude makes an insane amount of money. Oh, he would, that would be so it good. It would be a perfect fit for this team. And I think that it would, it would, it would really be the guy, it would be a great kind of arc for him, for Chris Paul. I think it would, like he doesn't. I don't think he hates New Orleans. I think it would be kind of cool for him to bring it back. But dude makes forty million. He's making thirty-eight million this year, forty-one next year, then forty-four 
in the 21, 20, 2021 season. If that forty four wasn't insane. there, then like you I could agree. do it. Yeah, if yeah. it was, if it, if that contract, I mean, it's a player option. So theoretically, he probably, you know, I he, he'd pick it up because. Oh, I wonder what he's going to do. <laughs> at age, that would be his age. So he's thirty four right now. That'd be his age thirty six season. You're probably not going to turn down a forty four million dollar paycheck, but yeah, it's just too bad because I think that he's kind of you know he the Thunder are not a team that's going to be have a future at least not they have a lot of restructuring to do before they can be like a legit get back to even remotely where they were you know with Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook not even before that with probably arguably the best naturally conceived team in NBA history which had Kevin Durant Russell Westbrook James Harden and Serge Ibaka on it it's still hard to believe that's that even happened like did they are they the best drafting team in NBA history, except like the worst retaining team in NBA history? <laughs> like, you look at some of the guys they picked up, even like Stephen Adams, like great NBA center. Yeah, I mean, anyway, uh, I agree. It would be nice to have kind of a a point guard who could take some of the load off. I also think that I think that Drew at the two is not. I don't know. I I think I know he wants to play the two, and he can defensively which is usually the reason you don't have a, a guy like him playing the two he's actually better than most you know he's one of the best defensive two guards in the nba even though it's probably a little undersized but shooting wise i just don't see I, I think that he bogs down the offense a little bit because he's not a p- premier shooting threat like a guy like paul george or you know clay thompson is another like elite example but then you you know you have a lot of guys out even like a troy daniels who's like when he's out there he's like he's sucking in people because he's gonna make that shot i just i think losing the spacing of a two guard that really forces you to extend is tough when you have another guy like you have a guy like lonzo ball out there so i don't know i mean i don't know if the solution is you move one of those two guys and you bring in somebody else you know maybe you can go out and get an ish smith somebody like that would that be the answer is that the type of value guy that you're looking at I can't believe I'm saying this, but I don't think Ish Smith is the worst idea in the entire world. Um, sure, like you'd like Drew shooting to be a little bit better, but like the the problem with this team isn't really Drew Holiday. The problem with this team is like Lonzo Ball has been terrible. I mean, that's a there are many problems, but that I think that's a significant one. the 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 Holiday Ball minutes have been disastrous. It's not been a holiday. Yeah, it, it, they have not been a holiday. Um, so. I think you kind of got to keep bringing ball off the bench. He's he's just really struggled, man. Um, but, yeah, um, I don't think, like, the Pelicans are going to, gonna like, trade to, to bring guys in to try to, like, win more this year. I mean, I think, obviously, look where they are, and they're, they're going to be sellers. I, I'm just saying, in, in theory, like, uh, you know, a decent table setter would go a long way for this team and make Drew Holiday's job a lot easier. But this is all just theoretical because, like, the Pelicans are probably going to be sellers anyway. It's the holiday season. Okay. Uh, next on our list, we've got Kenneth Hustle the first. Um, <laughs> this is another gift from you. Uh, what are you unboxing for Kenrich Williams? Kenrich Williams, or you may, as you probably don't know him on Twitter uh, as Williams Kenrich at Williams Kenrich. Y'all, why don't you follow Kenny on Twitter? This dude has twenty. This dude plays in the NBA. He's given it. He, his nickname is Kenny Hustler because he does everything on the court. And y'all, no, he's got twenty two hundred followers on Twitter. 
This is How's that even possible? He got a verified account. I know this is him because he's got a check mark. You know, I think uh, one of the things I love about Ken Rich is that he could care less about clout. Like one of my favorite the th- favorite things that he told me earlier this year was he was like, we we're asking him about like this play he made where he dived on the floor and passed it to JJ Redick. He's like, yeah, I like doing that I stuff I more that than play, like yeah. making a three pointer. Like that's that's Ken Rich Williams. He he loves just being like that under the radar dirty work guy. Um, that's one of the reasons I, I appreciate him. I like guys who know their roles. Right. He he reminds me a lot of Marcus Smart. You know, at more of a forward position, like a, more of a kind of a swing position than Smart as a guard. Uh, but they do the, they do a lot of the same things. It, the, you know, they, they talk about Marcus Smart like Mister Winning Plays. Like he just makes winning plays, and I think uh, Kenny does the same thing. But yeah, if uh, my gift to Kenny would be just follow the guy on Twitter, man. Okay. I didn't even know this existed until today, but you know what I'm doing right now as I say this. Oh, following twenty two thirty six, Kenny's newest Twitter follower. I'm even gonna retweet it to prove that I'm legit. Jeff is getting Kenrich Williams some clout, uh, and I'm gonna, he's helping that clout by following. I'm gonna, I'm gonna retweet this and say follow Kenny Hustle on Twitter. Okay, okay. So you know, I'm, so you know, I'm not just here for you know, I'm not, I'm not all talk here. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna gift Kenrich Williams a babysitter because he has a newborn, and I don't think he's just sleeping a lot right now. Uh, his girl girlfriend uh, lives here in New Orleans with, with their child. Uh, you know, sleep is important, Jeff. You know, we've we've made a lot of uh, discoveries on you know just sleep how important, is important it is for for professional athletes to get, get their eight and ten hours. So I'm getting Kenrich Williams a babysitter. So maybe him and his girl. Can have a date night, and that'd be nice. He can get he can get his eight hours. Okay. Uh, okay, we tweeted. We have a tweet. Okay. Next up on our list, uh, Josh Hart comes sit on on Santa Clark's lap. Santa, uh, Santa, Josh Hart. Santa Clark? Did you say? Santa I did. Clark? Yeah. Oh my god. Josh Hart seems like a that NBA player who like loves memes. He seems like he's really into it. We are gonna get him a framed digital image of the James Harden gif. Some of you might know what I'm talking about. It was when James Harden was called for a foul and he slammed the basketball on the floor, but it slipped through his hands on the way up and, and conked him in the head. And Josh Hart kind of kind of turned toward the camera and, and had this funny reaction. So we're going to get that. He looks like a robot that just like short-circuited. And he's just like, what, what's that? What, what, uh, okay. And it's it's great. Josh Hart anyway. is a very emotive player on the court, really which is. I appreciate. He's got probably, yeah, he's, Brandon Ingram is on one end of the spectrum of, like, emotional players. He's on the other end. Josh Hart also, like, I feel like 50% of the time he hits a corner three, he turns around to the opposing bench and, like... It's the type of thing you want. Like, it's healthy-type jawing. It's not, like, you know, Jackson almost got in a fight with, uh, was it DeAndre Jordan? I don't think that would have gone well no. for him, by the uh, way. But, I mean, that's the type of thing that you kind of enjoy. That's what makes the NBA great, is they let him kind of chirp. Like, if that, that's yeah. not something you're allowed to do in college. Um, but, yeah, any so just to be clear, our gift to Josh Hart is a digital frame that literally just plays the James Harden gif on a loop. Yeah. Never, never ends. I imagine him hanging that right over his fireplace next to the picture <laughs> of him and his family. <laughs> He'll be great. <laughs> All right, Jeff. the The last gift in my sack is a gift for the New Orleans Pelicans team wide. We've talked a lot about their marketing slogan this year: "Won't bow down." Won't bow down is is not doing it for a lot of people. Uh, I want to get them a new marketing slogan. Um, you know what exactly? I'm not sure. 
you know, chart a new course, fly without fear. Uh, I, I wrote down take flight, but then I realized that was, that's, uh, yeah, we that's had the next. Jets. Yeah, we can't uh, just rip off the Jets. Didn't I think – is it the Jets? It is. I looked it up. Okay. We can't do do it big. But I work. think we need something cool that has to do with flying in there. I just think it's weird to have a marketing slogan that's like a nod to the Lakers. Like it has to be about you. It can't be about somebody else. Right, and it's because you – I think the idea was to have – like fans identify with it, but it's really just the players that are really identifying with it, especially when the team is bad. Like it's it's tough to it's it's tough to just get excited about like that that video. Like for instance, that video going into the fourth quarter, where they kind of like they hammer on that catchphrase. If this was a good team, if they were they were winning and they were in a lot of close games, that would be fun. That would be exciting. It'd be cool. It's just like when they play it now, it's just like all right. It's just it's like watching a commercial at this point. Yeah. Um, there's just no there's no buzz around it. Yeah, I mean, when you're this bad, it doesn't matter what your marketing slogan is. Right. That's that's very true. Um, but it's almost like, can you bring it back now? Like, if they got if if they went on a ten game winning streak right now, and suddenly they're suddenly they're sixteen and twenty, whatever they would be, twenty two, seventeen and twenty two, and whatever it doesn't matter. Would that suddenly be like, oh, won't bow down? I don't think so. I think you've already you had a chance. To kind of like hit that, and but because of the way it's kind of like gone off a cliff, I don't think you can bring it back. I think you're right. You do have to give them a new kind of like rallying cry. So I have a suggestion for like an actual thing Pierre the Pelican can do to fire up the crowd instead of the won't bow down drum. Shoot himself out of a cannon. <clears throat> oh, I mean, that, that would be freaking sweet. Um, have you ever seen the video of Creed performing at Cowboys halftime uh, during Thanksgiving many years back? Creed the band? Yeah. <laughs> no. Okay, so there, there's is a... Is that a thing? Yeah, oh, it's a thing, yeah. It's a do thing they do it with Arms Wide Open? That's the only Creed song I know. Uh, I think they might have played that one. With yeah. Arms Wide Open. In case you didn't know, that's, that's, what it's, that's exactly what it is. That, that was like a spot on, yeah, anyway. But, there, but there's a moment uh, in their performance when, like, this guy was held up by, like, these, these ropes from the Raptors, and he's, like, flying. Like, I want to see Pierre the Pelican suspended from, like the ceiling and and just like flying around like if you saw it's like a wwe entry yeah yeah like if you saw pierre the pelican flying like you know when the pelicans are up four points and they're trying to put a game away you can't tell me that wouldn't stoke something it would be cool but i'm i this is it, were, did you see a couple of years ago when they literally like had to cancel a game because it was raining in the building uh no you should look it up it was i was actually at that game it was against the pacers they, they, they literally had to cancel the game because there was water spilling through the ceiling. And, like, the players wouldn't come out. They were like, I'm not playing like this. And uh, they ended up having to they ended up having to cancel it and replay it. And they, then they had to do – this was actually the playoff season. And they won – so th- this was kind of funny because they had a really long winning streak in the end of that season to, to kind of consolidate their playoff spot. And they got in, I think they were the sixth seed. But the difficulty was because of that canceled game, they had to play something like five games in seven nights. And they won all of them. Like, it actually worked in their favor because they were so hot at that point that they just, you know, just were knocking them down like bowling pins. But, yeah, if they, if they I'm, I, it does give me some pause if they can't keep the rain out of the building for us to hope they can suspend Pierre from the ceiling. So, I don't know. I got to have some we'll time have to, to come back. board. I, you know, I would probably start with, uh, Fly fearless. Painting something over the Zion banner because every time you leave the you leave the stadium, reading impossible alone found just very identifiable 
because a lot of the times it seems like it's literally impossible for them to win these games. But um, we have one more, and it's kind of on the same theme, which is for Pierre specifically, even if we don't give him a you know, high flyer, high wire act in the stadium, I think that we should uh, set up a pay-per-view boxing match with friend of the program, Scott Kushner. He's Noel.com's Pelicans columnist. Because he said some very mean things about Pierre's drum. Uh, if you don't remember, we'll splice them in. Uh, here, here you go. Here's what Scott had to say about the drum. God, God that is the worst thing <laughs> in sports, isn't it? How dare it's... Yeah. So, did you remember that you were there for that one? Do you remember? Uh, you actually, you're you're a drum apologist. You know, I, I've taken a lot of heat for that. Uh, <laughs> I think it's important to note that uh, I think I was playing the foil a little bit, uh, and also. Dude, don't back I, that. Don't, don't, don't. I'm bound down. I'm bound down. He's bound down. I don't think that would go well for Scott. Oh, no. Pierre, 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 Pierre fights dirty. Yeah. Have you seen him wandering around the stadium? He, he's not. He, yeah. Scott would be in for a rumble. It would, it would be more like the, the those specials where they have the UFC fighter fighting the bully. Yeah. I wouldn't um, want it with any mascot. <laughs> like, mascots are acrobats. Right. Yeah. They're, they're athletic. Right. He's, in, like, he's probably like a world-class athlete under there. Anyway. But, yeah. Scott said mean things. Uh, and they brought the drum. So I thought they had retired it. They actually brought the drum out against the Nets. Did you see that? Yeah, they were trying to fire up the crowd right towards the right, end. Right towards the end. If you noticed, didn't work. Uh, oh, actually, the crowd actually got into it. I mean, it didn't. It didn't work so much as the Pelicans like completely dis- get, you know came unglued toward the, toward the down the stretch there. But yeah, so that's our my final gift will be for our friend Pierre, and it will basically just be like telling him where Scott eats lunch, and he can go. Uh, you know, just show him how to use the drum. Yeah, Pierre's going to roll up and be like, Scott, your takes won't help you now. <laughs> and yes. they won't. Well, this was fun, you know. I, I feel like we are able to hand out some really helpful gifts. I know it's been pretty rough right now, but I'm glad this losing streak is behind us. It felt like it lasted 17 months. It lasted one. Right. But, yeah, hopefully better times ahead for the Pelicans soon. All right. Well, That's it. appreciate anybody listened and happy holidays to you guys. Uh, tell your friends about this podcast and have a great Christmas yeah. or whatever you celebrate. Santa Clark is retiring. Uh, thanks for listening, y'all. Peace.